All right. Well, welcome to God's Word Baptist Church. Hey, Dennis. Long time no see. I've been I've been gone for a little bit. I just saw a friend back there. Amen. Uh, but uh, it uh, we're here for tonight for our evening service. Uh, if you're here for the morning service, you just missed it. So I apologize. But uh, um, I've uh, uh, the the message tonight is. Uh, just kind of one of those uh, one-time messages. It's not we're not starting a series or anything necessarily at this point. Um, it's uh, going to be found in Ezekiel. Um, that's a, a very challenging book. I thought about well, maybe I should just start a series on Ezekiel, and then I was like, hmm. <clears throat> you know, you start digging through, you get through the first chapter, and you're like, well, that's about 17 weeks of the messages, you know. Uh, but uh, we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel tonight. But before we get started, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get going. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for our time and an opportunity to be here tonight and uh, just uh, hear from your word. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, look to this passage of Scripture, that, Lord, you would just give us that understanding, that uh, we would see the importance of uh, a believer's uh, commission that we would see exactly how um, uh, the, you have uh, given us a an example to follow, and uh, Lord, I pray that we would be receptive to that. I thank you again, Lord, for all the individuals that are here tonight, and I pray, Lord, that uh, their hearts would just be blessed uh, through your word and that they'd be ready and receptive to receive. Thank you again for all that you've done for us this morning, and uh, Lord, we pray that we just continue to give you glory, honor, and praise throughout this night. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. We're not going to start with chapter 1. But chapter 1 really sets the stage for what's going on here with Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel obviously is uh, in bondage and captivity. And uh, he uh, sees some things that uh, uh, are really quite amazing in chapter 1. Uh, we see the description of cherubims. We see uh, some descriptions of uh, these wheels within wheels. And uh, we see all of these uh, uh, amazing things that are there. And uh, if you will, just starting right out of the gate with the book of Ezekiel, that chapter 1 is just one that inspires awe. It's one when you read it, you just begin to realize uh, the majesty of God. And if we in our little feeble minds try to even begin to picture what some of these things are, it begins to short circuit. It begins to have a bit of a, 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 of a problem as we see these, uh, these creatures. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously in chapter one where he talks about, uh, um, how they, in verse 23, under the firmament where their wings straight and one toward another and everyone had two, which covered on, uh, on this side and everyone had two, which covered on that side and all of these things with, uh, these creatures that, uh, we've never seen before. You know, people try to draw pictures of cherubims and I, I've seen some pretty spectacular fails, but I've also been seen some things that are just terrifying. Um, I, just th- think about this for a minute. That's what was guarding the garden of Eden with a flaming sword. You know, just the, 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 the cherubim alone probably would have been terrifying enough. 
But uh, therein was uh, this cherubim, and here we find these other cherubims that are uh, um, the, that we find over in the Book of Revelation as well, and we see their descriptions. And uh, as we go through it, and we're not going to take a look at those. We've taken a look at the spiritual uh, creatures that God has created before. Uh, we're not going to get into detail with those. But after we see all of these things in chapter one of uh, where the Lord begins to show Ezekiel something, the Lord begins to speak. And we find that here uh, in, in verse 28. And it said, as the appearance of uh, the, uh, the uh, bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance and the brightness round about. That's an important thing to remember. Uh, the rainbow is God's. It belongs to him. Yeah. It's always belonged to him. And always remember, there's seven colors to that rainbow. You guys all remember Roy G. Biv? So if you don't know or remember what Roy G. Biv is, it's red, orange, yellow, uh, green, Roy G. Biv, blue, indigo, and violet. There we go. I had to think about that for a second. So there's uh, anything that claims to be a rainbow that has uh, less than seven colors is not complete. It's not a rainbow. It's something else. Uh, It's just a band of colors for lack of a better term. So he says here, there is, uh, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. That's why it's important. That's why it's important that we remember that. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard the voice of one that spake. Now here, here's where God begins to talk to, to Ezekiel. And this is a very important principle that we're going to see here. Because Ezekiel is given a commission. And I dare say, when we look at this commission, we can see some parallels to what we as believers are supposed to be doing. And it becomes important for us. It becomes important for us to realize that uh, God has given us a direction. God has given us a very clear, uh, um, if you will, uh, specific way that we're supposed to do things. And here he tells Ezekiel, this is how I want you to go about doing this. I don't want you to uh, do anything different than this, but this is what I want you to do for me. This is, this is his task, his ministry that he's been given. And we find that it's a difficult one. Let's take a look at chapter 2. We'll read all of chapter 2 of the book of Ezekiel. Uh, it's only 10 verses, but we'll see here what it says. And in verse 1, it says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when I spake un, uh, when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. and They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this day. For uh, they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. That's an important part, principle, because again, it is all about what God says, not what man says. And in verse 5, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. God always provides a way. There is, as as Romans says, they are without excuse. They're without excuse. Somebody cannot say, well, I didn't hear and I didn't know. God says it's revealed in, in, in the creation. People just have to look. The problem is, is they don't want to look. 
And when they look at it, it gives them conviction and they want to say, I want something else. I want to believe that it rained on a rock and an amoeba came forth and that's where I came from. That's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But here in verse, uh, verse six, he says, and now son of man, be not afraid of them and neither be afraid of their words. Uh, though briars and thorns be with thee and thou dost uh, dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words nor dismayed at their looks. Though they be rebellious, be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether thou, uh, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. And he says, but thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee, be not thou rebellious like the rebellious house, house, open thy mouth, and eat what I give thee. And when I looked, behold, there was a hand that was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein, and he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there were written, uh, and there was written therein lamentations, mourning, and woe. So we're not going to cover the roll tonight, okay? I'm not even going to attempt to try to do that. But, uh, something that is very important is we find that he gives a very specific commission to Ezekiel. Here's Ezekiel over by the river, and the next thing you know is he sees this vision, he sees all of these things, he sees God in his glory, he sees these cherubims, sees the throne, he sees all of this, and then God starts talking to him, saying, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. And I want you to see the pattern that's here. I want you to see how God begins to describe his commission. The very first thing that when the Lord calls somebody, it starts off with this. You got to be willing to listen. Got to be willing to hear. If you're not listening for the still small voice, if you're not prepared to hear the word of God, such as Samuel when he was younger, if, if a person has is unwilling to hear the counsel of God, I will tell you this: there is going to be no commission. There is going to be no ministry. That person is disregarding what God's telling them to do. And we find here in this, in this passage, and very similar to something that was going on over there with Isaiah when the Lord said, who will I send? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. There, there, therein is he, you know, he, he was willing, he was listening. He saw some amazing things that was going on, uh, and, uh, some amazing experiences that Isaiah had. But even before he listened to what was the, 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 the ministry, what was the task, he said, I'm ready. I, I, I'm here. I'm willing. I'm willing. We find that very clearly Ezekiel shows reverence. He honors God. He, he's, he's fallen down at this point in time. And he begins to hear that voice and that voice speaking unto him. And what we find is that the first thing that he asks Ezekiel to do is to stand. To stand and to listen. He says, stand and I will speak unto thee. And he caused him to stand and he heard him. And we see this very clearly that this is what we as believers are supposed to do. And this matches up with over there in in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where he talks about one of the positions of us in Christ is to stand. We stand in him. We stand ready to fight. Not not human beings. Not not things of that nature, but we're we're talking about, as he talks about principalities and powers, uh, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. Those are the things that are not of man. That's not government. That's not society. 
That's something far, far, far more evil. And I tell you, that, 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 that mentality and that prevalence is all throughout today. And as a believer, one of the things that we need to do and what we need to, to start doing is we just need to stand. You, you go over to the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 14, nation of Israel is getting ready to cross the Red Sea. Uh, they, they, they come to that Red Sea, and it's obviously, they don't have bridges. They don't have bridge building machines. They don't have anything of that nature. It's going to take a while for them to get across that. Are they going to have to build boats? What are they going to have to do? Are there ferry systems? Uh, all of these things that they're trying to figure out how they're going to do this. God's got a plan. God's got a, a, a design. And next thing you know, they turn around, and what's following them? is the armies of Pharaoh. And they freak out. Oh, you brought us out here to die, Moses. And you know, they start having the, that, that murmuring. I mean, right out of the gate, that should have been a sign. That should have been a sign that these people were going to be a difficult people to deal with. But what we find is that we see Moses over there in Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 13. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch what God does. Why don't you see what God's going to do? Why don't you just, again, as we talked about this morning, just trust God with that. Just allow him to do that. Allow him to work. Allow him to, 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 to bring about things in your life. Bring those opportunities. And sometimes people are so set on these plans that they force things, and they force things that they think are godly. And they're not. But the very first thing that we see here is we see a stand. He says over and over to us, you know, we need to be still. It's hard to listen when you're doing activity. It's really hard to listen. You ever have that happen? You're trying to talk to a child and the child is just like all over the place. You know, they're running around, they're climbing the walls. You're trying to get one down off a ceiling with a broom. You know, the other ones, you know, you're trying to climb down the grate into the, 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 into the furnace and you're trying to do, and you're trying to talk to them and you're trying to have a conversation with them. And what happens? They don't listen. They don't listen. They're preoccupied. They're all over the place. And it happens. You just try to have a conversation with somebody that is not focused on the conversation, that's not focused on the things that they're supposed to be focused on. It's difficult. You wind up repeating yourself. You wind up saying uh, things and, and, and they don't hear it and they don't hear it completely or they, they misinterpret what is being said. And the next thing you know, it's something totally different than what was supposed to happen is happening. But as a believer, and specifically this commission with Ezekiel, he's like, I I want you to stand. I want you to stand and hear this. I want you to hear exactly what I have to say. I want you to be clear with this. And as a believer, this is something that is very important to us. Standing still. Standing still. When we get occupied with this life, what are we doing? We're running about doing things. We're running here and we're running there. And the Bible talks about that, talks about, you know, in the, in the latter times and people running to and fro. Uh, people are, you know, going to this, you know, person because they like what that person says. And then they go to this person. And they like what that person says. And they're just all over the place. And the Lord calls those type of people busybodies. Yeah. 
Busybodies are not just interested in other people's affairs. They're interested in everything and anything that, 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 you know, that they can get. They're like the Greeks. They want to hear some new thing. They're all over. And a good grief, you can't, that's the day and age that we live in. You know how people read the news? They read a tweet. They read a headline. And then they make assumptions about what that, that article says. That's how people read. Yeah. You know how people read the Word of God? They read one verse and then they make a big assumption. Yeah. Next thing you know is they're like off in some weird left field and you're going, where are you? I don't, I have no idea where you got that from. But what we find here is that the Lord is telling, he's saying, just stand still for a moment. With this world occupying so much of our time, and we're doing this and we're doing that. You know, it used to be that back in the day, you could always guarantee that there was nothing going on on a Thursday night. You could easily have a youth program or an evening service. We do ours on Wednesday. I, I, I goof around with some of the uh, uh, other pastors that I know, and I say, well, you know, we, we do it on Wednesday. We do it the, the right way. You know, <laughs> these other places they have their, 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 uh, um, their services on Thursday. I'm like, you, you're just, you're just getting too close to Sunday. It's just, you know, you, you gotta be balanced here, brother. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As I said this morning, the Bereans, they had it every single day. So why can't we do that? So, but, um, but it used to be that, you know, you could guarantee that you could do something on Thursday and you could have a program for the kids or something like that. Yeah, because why? Fridays were always taken up with either football games or something else. And then it, then it became, well, you know, okay, well, Thursdays are starting to be taken up with uh, soccer practice. And then uh, you're like, okay, well, let's go ahead and shoot for something like a maybe a Wednesday. And, well, no, that's baseball. Well, okay, then uh, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, try to shoot for maybe a Monday or a Tuesday. Oh, no, that's uh, that's uh, gymnastics, and that's swimming, and that's uh, that's pickleball, and that's lacrosse, and, you know, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And then it's like, well, at least we've got the weekend, right? <laughs> Man, it used to be you never had games on Sunday, right? Now it's every single day. And the, 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 the devil is so good at making you busy doing something else without focusing on what God wants us to do. And you know what? Here is one of the most important things as a believer, one of the most important commissions that Ezekiel was receiving. Just stand still. Just stand. Just stand and listen for a moment to what I have to say. And that becomes an important principle. The next principle that we see with this commission that God has given to Ezekiel here, he says, I want you, now, now that you're, you're standing still, now that you're listening, I'm going to give you this commission. I want you to go and speak. I mean, it's Mark 16. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Go, tell. These are things that we as believers are supposed to be doing. You know, we've got tracks back there. That's one way you can do it. You can tell people at work. You're like, well, that's not, a, you know, we're not supposed to talk about religion and politics at work. They do anyways. They do. I work with a very weird company. Very weird company. Yes, they are progressive. But at the same time, you know what they allow? 
They allow one-hour Bible studies on paid company time that are not your break or your lunch. That's weird. That's odd. We're coming up with this National Day of Prayer that, that happens. They'll get everybody that is a, a professing believer, and they'll have these big group conference calls, and they'll have individuals come together, and they'll be praying on company time. Well, that's odd. You don't hear that. But you know what? There's an opportunity to go and tell. There's an opportunity to tell somebody. Somebody can tell you a dirty joke. You can certainly tell them about Jesus Christ. I mean, if they can tell you, you know, anything of that nature that is that is uh, about what they did over the weekend, which you really don't want to hear, you can tell them what you did over the weekend. Hey, what'd you do over the weekend? I went and did this, 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 and this, and you're like, um, but you know, you, you hear some of those things, and you know what you do is you turn around and you say, oh, hey, you know what I did this weekend? What'd you do? I went to church and I listened to a great sermon. Not because of the man, but because of what God was telling me. Right. Have you ever heard about what Jesus Christ can do for you? Uh, I gotta get back to work. <laughs> you know, we, we, we find that those, those things that, uh, uh, that the world talks about, we've got so much better. We've got, we've got the Lord to talk about. And here he says in verse in three, uh, uh, three through five here, he says, son of man, I send you the children of Israel. And he says that, you know, he describes them, but what he wants them to say is, I want you to say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. I want you to go and tell them, this is what I think of their situation. This is what I think of what they're doing. I don't want you to give your opinion. I want you to give what my, if you will, doctrine is. Look, I can get up here and preach opinion all day long. I I, I can preach to you how sinful green beans are. <laughs> I can. I, I I can I can you know describe the the horrific evils of glitter. I I, I can go through all of those things. And you know what all that is? That's opinion. If you like glitter, hey, more power to you. Just don't touch me. You know, um, don't bring it into the church. There's a, there is a standing rule about glitter here in the church, in case anybody didn't notice that. Um, we don't have a lot of glitter, you know, activities and things like that. Otherwise, somebody's going to be cleaning for the next five years. You know, that stuff's always found everywhere. You think you got it all, and then you find another pile that just seems to be multiplying. It's like, it's like as they res- respond to they say it's like Catholic rabbits. They're all over the place. But, you know, it's you're, you're trying to clean up that mess. I could preach those. I could preach that. I can come with all sorts of opinions. Yeah. But you know what is really important? Thus saith the Lord. Yeah. What does God say about it? What does God have to say about our actions? What does God have to say about our thoughts? What does God have to say about our words? I've had conversations with people about that, even recently, talking about uh, words and words that come out of people's mouths. And I'll tell you, some uh, you know, people sometimes won't receive that. They won't receive that. And you tell them, well, this is what God says. This is what God thinks. This is what God tells us to do. One of the primary things that we as 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 uh, 
uh, individuals, of, you know, that call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, is we are to go and speak. We're not to be silent. They want us to be silent. You know, it used to be that people would say, well, whatever you do in your home, in the privacy of your own home, you just need to keep it there. Now it's paraded around. But you know what they tell us? Well, you need to do that in your own home. Now I'm not going there. What we see in this world today is very clearly a need for Christ. We need, we see a need. The nation of Israel needed their Lord. They needed the, the, their God. They needed Him so bad because they were in major trouble and it was going to get worse. And here He's saying, look, I'm going to send a prophet. They're not going to have an excuse. I'm going to send them a prophet. I'm going to send them somebody that's going to go and speak. And here He describes it in verse three where He says, I send thee to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. And he goes over this again and again and again, talking about how rebellious they are. Rebellion is described as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Divination. Seeking answers from another God. That's what rebellion is. That's why it's important to drive rebellion out of any household and out of our own lives. Yeah. Rebellion is is, is 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 awful. Rebellion is disgusting to God. When people rise up and rebel, that's a problem. We've got a nation of rebels today. Not only are they rebelling against God, they're rebelling against everyone. They're rebelling against authority. They're rebelling against, uh, 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 you know, police officers. They rebel against government. They rebel against, uh, um, people that are, uh, put in specific positions. They rebel. They won't listen. Man, I am so glad I don't manage people anymore. You know, I work with processes and analyze, you know, Patterns and statistics along with uh, doing a lot of the legal work and stuff. And I'll tell you this. One of the things that, you know, I, I, now look, when I was managing people, for the most part, my team and my crew were good. And I, and I appreciated that. But every now and then you got that one person. And I've had to do the whole thing where I stood over him and say, pack up your stuff. You're leaving. Here's your check. Grab your gear. I'm going to ask you out the door. I've had to do that. I've had to bring them in and say, this is, you know, after, you know, warning after warning after warning after warning and say, look, here's the issue. You're fired. I told you you were going to be fired. Whereas this is no longer a discussion. There's no longer pleading. There's no longer any of that. We've had five, you know, different meetings about this. And this is the sixth one. You're done. Get your stuff. Let's go. That's a tough thing. That's a tough thing. You do it right in the middle of the day. When everybody's expecting that worker to be doing their work, they're like, nope. Everybody's going to have to pick up the slack. Sorry about that, but that's what has to happen. And people rebel. They don't want to be told what to do. And you know what? That's one of the reasons why we have to go and speak. That's why we have to tell them. 
And when we realize it, because you begin to describe who Jesus Christ is, and what did Jesus Christ did? He submitted to the will of the Father. He learned obedience, as it says over there. Again, you know, that's a tough thing for me to think about, knowing who Jesus Christ is. He put his body in submission. He limited. And we sit there and we think about all of that, and what did he do? He submitted to his own parents. He, he, he was God. He doesn't have to do that, but he did. He did. People have a hard time with that. But this is one of the reasons why it's important to, to go and speak. This is why it's a re, you know important uh, to say the things that we're supposed to say to them. And, and look, here's the issue. It's not our job to get people saved. It's our job to go and tell. Let's not do the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a far better job of convicting than anyone else. I can get up here and I can preach a convicting message, okay? I get that. I can, as I said this morning, I can get the piano player playing just as I am, just the right way, and, and emphasize and do these things and plead and do all of that. I can do those things for an altar call, but I will tell you this, I, I, if that's what draws men and women to Jesus Christ, uh, I, I question that because I want the, the conviction of the heart. I want somebody looking at themselves and going, Oh God, I am a sinner. What have I done? My sin is, is, is condemning me to hell. My sin is going to punish me for, for, for what I have done. I need somebody to save me from that death. Praise God, there's Jesus Christ. Praise God, there's Jesus Christ. Our job is to tell. Some people think it's their job to convict. Some people think it's their job to, to, to make people change. Look, I've seen it before. You can take somebody and you can dress them all up and make them look nice. But if they have an unregenerate heart, there's no real change. It's an outward appearance. As he talked about with the Pharisees, he cleaned the cup on the outside, but the inside is disgusting. Could you imagine that? You sit down in a nice fancy restaurant and they say, would you like some coffee? And you're like, yes. And you look at the coffee cup and the outside looks clean and you quickly take a look inside and there's a roach crawling in there. And he begins to pour the coffee on the roach and the roach is like, oh, hey, caffeine. (laughs) It's boiling water. It doesn't matter. Nothing kills a roach. They're the ones that live in the nuclear holocaust, right? You know, Uh, they're the ones that live forever, but you'd be disgusted by it. You look in there and you see that there's a, 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 you can tell that a mouse has been in there. You can always tell where a mouse has been. They always leave you little, you know, presents behind. And you look in there and you're going, ew, gross. Like, I don't want to eat here. You know, that's the same way when we dress up on the outside and we try to make ourselves look really good, but God looks into our heart and goes, ew, what is that? Where did that come from? This is why God wants us to be searched and tried and judged as we talked about this morning. All areas of our heart. But he talks about it and he says that we're supposed to go and speak. 
The second part here is go and speak. So the first is stand and listen. And the second is go and speak. Take a look at verse 6 and verse 7 where he talks about, he says, be not afraid of them. Be not afraid of them. And he says, you know what? There's going to be an issue. There's going to be a problem. They're not going to listen. They're not going to like what you have to say. They're not going to like what you have to say. You sit in a council session, I'll tell you this. You're going to hear things you don't like. You're going to hear things that are uh, difficult to hear. You're going to hear things that clearly point out the problems in, in, in your life if the person's using the Word of God and showing you and saying, hey, here, here, here's, your, here's your real problem. Here's the sin issue. Here's what you got to get right. Here's what you got to do. You know, some people don't like to hear that. I've been in those. I've been where I've given counsel from the Word of God and shown exactly where the sin is and looked straight at a person and said, are you going to stop and cease from your sin. And I've had people say yes, and I've had people also just flat out say no. And at that point in time, I just simply close my notebook and close the Bible and uh, stand up and say, well, it's uh, been nice talking to you, but I can't help you. Mm-hmm. It's hard to help somebody that won't listen. Right. But you know what? It's not on us. Yeah. It's not on us. Well, we tell them to go and speak and they're going to be a rebellious people. Uh, whether or not they listen, that's on them. As he says in the previous, for whether they, uh, they will hear or whether they will forbear. Yeah, that's up to them. But here's what's going to ha- more than likely happen. And he prophesies this, and this is exactly what did happen. And this is exactly what happens today is you hear this, this, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Why? Because you know what? They're going to try to hurt you. They're going to try to sting you. They're going to try to do everything. I've witnessed to people that did not want to be witnessed to. I've told them about Jesus Christ, and they did not want to hear it. And you know what? They'll give you looks. They'll give you looks. And he makes it pretty clear here. He says, don't, don't be afraid of that. Don't be dismayed by it. Specifically in verse 6, he says, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. You know, sometimes when you're talking, if you ever have the opportunity to speak in front of people, it's a, it's a unique thing. Uh, you get to see everybody's faces. You get to see them do all sorts of stuff. As I've said before, you know, I, you know the Lord in his infinite wisdom Started me off really, really, really delicately. He threw me into a junior church class where I had to teach junior church. And, uh, you know, you see all sorts of stuff going on with that. Uh, I've seen uh, kids picking their nose. I've seen them double fist and picking their nose. Both nostrils at the same time, and you're like, dude, you got to breathe. Um <laughs> You know, if it's that bad, you should probably go blow your nose. You know, there's all sorts of stuff that needs to happen, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was one of those junior church teachers. I was firm. Uh, but the kids enjoyed what I was telling them, uh, cause I would get very graphic in some of those things, especially with the, when talking about Jonah. 
man, I'd get really graphic and the kids are just like, ooh, and the boys are like, ooh, and the girls are like, ooh, ooh, you know, things like that. Um, and, and, and I enjoyed it. You're dealing with adults and sometimes, you know, there's adults that will just sit there and they'll scowl at you the whole time. They'll scowl at you and scowl at you and scowl at you and you're just like, dude, what is your problem? What is your issue? I I knew a pastor that uh, he went and he was um, on vacation and he was visiting a place and he goes into this church and he he just dressed real casual, just normal shirt and some jeans and clean stuff and he comes in and he sits down and uh, during the message, he just sits there and the whole time he's just looking at the pastor and he's just scowling. He's just like, like this, just scowling at him. And this, this pastor sees him and he's just like, what in the world? He had no idea that he was another pastor. And he's just like, what in the world? This guy, this guy needs some preaching. So he starts, you know, he starts off, he's preaching to the congregation. About halfway through, he's preaching specifically at this guy that's giving him the scowl. And he's just, I mean, we're talking about he's unloading all nine of the 16-inch guns, all of the Tomahawk missiles, all of the Phalanx guns. I mean, he's everything is just being thrown at this guy. And the whole time, this pastor's just in there. And it, it, all, I mean, he's done and he's like, you know, he's been pleading. He's been going through this whole thing. And people are like, man, that guy was on fire today. You know, the spirit was moving and just, they were excited about it. And after the end of it, you know, the pastor's just like exhausted. And he's like, oh, he's like, I got to see who this guy is. What's going on? Walks up to him and sticks out his hand and says, hey, I just want to introduce myself. And I noticed that you, you, you were sitting there and, and, and maybe you had some concerns about the message. And the pastor's like, oh, yeah, hi, my name's Pastor such-and-such. And he's just like, you jerk. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you jerk. And once he realized what, the, what he was doing, you know, he, he was obviously, it was all good. But, but you know, you're, you're going to get some looks. You're going to get some looks when you, do, when you pray over your food. Every now and then, you know, we've had people come up to, to me one time we were in Wendy's and we were, you know, I had the girls pray for the food and, and then we started eating and this, this, uh, this family came up and they said, I just want to thank you for doing that. Not very many people do that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Be a testimony, be a witness. Yeah. People wear all sorts of stuff. It's talking about who they belong to, yeah. what their identity is. What's my identity? I'm a child of God. I am a saint. I am, I am his. And therefore I'm going to exemplify that and I'm going to live for him and I'm going to give him the glory with everything that I do. Everything that I do. At least try. But what we find here is he says, don't be afraid of him. You know, Part of the commission and when the things that, was that, that God tells us and that God's going to use us for, that he's going to show us and he's going to give us, is going to be pretty scary. It's like over there when we read this morning, fret not because of evildoers. He says they're going to eventually get what they deserve. But don't focus on that. And he said, don't be dismayed by it. Don't be afraid of Don't be afraid of what they say. 
I could tell you stuff that people have said to me uh, in this church, uh, people that are no longer here, uh, and, and you would just be like, they said what? Because they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to hear. I've been told, I, you know, when I first started, first year, I was told that I didn't preach enough expository sermons. I was then told that I didn't preach enough topical sermons. I was then told that I didn't preach enough salvation messages. And then I was told I preached too many salvation messages. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, you can't please everyone. So you know who you please? God. You know, it's so much easier to please God, isn't it? I mean, I, look, I love you all, but I can't please all of you. It's just not going to happen. Because some of you like green beans, reprobates. <laughs> but you understand what I say? I can't please everybody. It just doesn't happen. The only thing that I can do is I can just endeavor to please God, and that will be the testimony. The testimony is that he lived for the Lord. People say, what do you want on your tombstone? I'm not talking about pepperoni and mozzarella or whatever. You know, those old old commercials. I just, again, dated myself on that. <clears throat> but, you know, somebody says, well, what, do you, what would you want on there? I'd say something. He endeavored to please God. That's simple enough. Endeavoring to do his will. Don't worry about what other people are going to say and what other people are going to do and how they look at you and, and, and their attitude towards you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, they looked at me weird. Who cares? Does God look at you weird? Well, I, I don't think they like me. Does it matter? Is God pleased with what you're doing? Well, I want to be liked, and, and, and I'm supposed to... No, no, you're supposed to be doing the things for the approval of God, not of man. Right. Not eye service as men pleasers. Yeah. But unto God, with that whole heart. And we find here that as he talks about this, he says, look, it's going to be like you're living in briars and thorns. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we understand that concept. We understand that concept. Amy told me, she said, look, the blackberry bushes are coming back on the one side. And I'm like, yep. So they do. They come back. You kill them, they come back. You kill them, they come back. I don't know how many times I've killed the one at the bottom of this ramp. And you spray it with all sorts of spray, and it seems to just make it stronger. And, and, and you know, you get caught in those. And I've been running around in the forest and doing stuff and, and you do training and you do paintball and things like that. And I'll tell you, you're not watching where you're going and you're running and you get that sticker bush wrapped around your ankle and your leg and you go down. Done that many times. Granted, it means that the enemy gets to shoot over you, but you know, you get to return fire and off the ground, which isn't always good. But fact is, is you get tangled with it. The briars and thorns, they're going to try to choke it out. They're going to try to choke out what God is doing. They're going to try to choke that spirit out of you. That spirit that, that, that he put in you when you were standing, as we found over there in the first part in, in verse 2, 
we, we, we very clearly, we see that the world is going to want to do that. And going back to the parable of the sower and the seed and the thorns and the weeds and everything that chokes it out, doesn't allow good fruit to grow. But they're choking it out in their own life. Don't let, don't allow, as I said this morning in Sunday school, somebody else to affect you that way. Don't allow them to manipulate you. You just stay with what God is doing in your life. What Jesus Christ has told you to do. And he says, look, they're going to be rebellious. I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, they're going to be rebellious. Verse 7, thou shalt speak my words in them, whether they are here, whether they will forbear. Uh, he says, for they are most rebellious. Most rebellious. Man, they, they were. They were impudent children and they were stiff-necked. We all know that. You know, we call that stubborn nowadays. And sometimes we, we're, you know, people will get prideful about their stubbornness. I'm like, well, that's a double sin right there. That's like a, that's like a double whopper. You know, two patties of sin. Thank you very much. Um, it's just, you know, you're just sitting there going, what in the world? But let's face it. We're, we're the same way, right? Yeah, we, we, we're all stubborn in our own ways. We're all stubborn in our own ways. Let's, 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 that's the first part of, you know, repentance is admitting that. And saying, hey, look, I, I know I'm stubborn. Now let's do something about it. Because God has a lot to say about stubbornness and what it's compared to. But what we find here is he says, look, you're going to go and you're going to have to speak to some people and you're going to have to go and tell. Don't be afraid of them. Why? Because it's going to be on them whether they receive it or not. It's going to be on them. You just go ahead and trust me. You don't let them make you afraid. You don't let them make you afraid. But one of the most important things that I want us to see here in this chapter, and it starts there in verse 8, and he says, Son of man, hear what I have to say unto thee, uh, what I say unto thee, uh, be not rebellious like the rebellious house, open thy mouth, and eat what I give thee. And he starts off with this, he says, look, I'm going to give you this commission, you're going to stand, you're going to listen to it, you're going to go, and you're going to speak, and you're not going to be afraid and dismayed. But here's the most important part. I want you to receive the word within first. No commission is going to be effective. No ministry is going to be effective if the word of God has not affected us first. Every Sunday school teacher, junior church teacher, uh, uh, um, pastor, preacher, evangelist, missionary, understands this concept. You get in the pulpit with an unprepared heart and with problems, you are going to have problems. It's going to be difficult. Your life is going to be tough. But here he says, the first thing I want you to do, Ezekiel, is I want you to understand, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Take what I have to give you. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said about receiving the Word of God. The Bible talks about 
how to us it's the power of salvation, isn't it? We realize what these words are, that these are words of life. And we gladly receive it. Over and over again, he talks to these churches, whether it's the church of Rome or Galatia or Thessalonica. He always talks about, you received the word, you received it, you received it, you received the gospel, you obeyed the gospel, you did this, you did this. You, you, you took what I was being taught from God and you received it openly and you took that seed and it began to grow and it began to flourish. And it began to be fruitful. And we see that all throughout Scripture, especially with the New Testament. But one thing that I will say is this, is is that when people receive the Word of God, it enables them to live the Christian life the way they're supposed to. If you don't receive what God has to tell you in the Word, there's going to be a problem. As I said this morning, you run into those people that say, well, I believe the Bible, but I don't believe all of it. Well, it's kind of an all or none deal. It's kind of one of those situations where it's like, this is the word of God that he's given to us, that he's preserved for us, that he promised to preserve for us over in Psalms chapter 12. And then he said, this is going to be how I communicate with you. It's going to be written for. It's going to be thus saith the Lord. And he says, Ezekiel, you need to receive that first. I'm going to tell you some hard things. Because when he did, he, he opened it up. And then what was contained in that role, that role? Lamentations, mourning, and woe. You know what? There's a lot of lamentations, mourning, and woe in this book. Read the book of Revelation. You know, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Him revealing himself to everyone, to mankind, showing up in physical form, ruling his kingdom. But before that happens, there's a lot of bad stuff. And I'm putting it very mildly. That's God's wrath. You got a mountain falling from the sky, falling down and destroying a third of the population. You got people dying left and right. You got people going out with a specific commission during the, uh, uh, the millennial reign where if somebody finds a bone, they're supposed to mark it and these people go and grab it and they go and bury it. Why is that? But because it's going to be a popular thing. There's a lot of people that are going to die. There's going to be a lot of people that die in their sins because they rejected Jesus Christ and they received the mark. Of the beast. People would rather receive that. And people would gladly. Today, there are people that go and they say, Oh, I'm going to receive it right now. And they tattoo 666 right on their forehead or on their palm or on their hand. And they say, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to take it right now. And you're like, Wow. It's because they've rejected God. The nation of Israel at this point in time had rejected God. They rejected who he is. They rejected what he was about. They rejected what he said. And here God is telling Ezekiel, I don't want you to be that way. He says, I don't want you to be that way. He says, be not thou rebellious like the rebellious house. 
there is a call for Christians today is don't be rebellious. Don't be the rebel. Don't be the one that always has to defy everything. Don't be the contrarian. Don't be the devil's advocate. Don't be that person. You know what you are? You're a Christian. You gladly receive the Word of God. And you say, well, hey, amen, there might be something in here that I need. There might be something that I that's in my life that I'm rebelling against God. I might be pushing Him away, and I may not even know it. I may be distancing myself in my relationship with Him because I'm being rebellious in a certain area. And I don't want to give up a sin, or I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, or I don't want to admit that God's right. I don't want to admit that His Word is perfect and pure. I'll tell you, in this day and age, we've got a lot of people that are claiming to be believers. But man, they sure reject everything He says. Makes you question makes you think. As I said this morning, the person that got up and gave their quote-unquote testimony of why they were going to go be baptized, and they, the, the, the woman said, oh, I'm going to go be baptized because God's called me to be a, a warrior for his animal kingdom, and I'm going to go lead an army of angels to protect the animals of this earth. And that's why she's being baptized. Baptized. What? No! I'm sorry, but at that point in time, you know what that pastor should have said? Uh, I think you need to go talk to somebody about salvation again. Let's get, let's, let's get this clarified. Because first and foremost, you know what? I know God cares about the sparrows. But doesn't he say that human life is a little more important? Every human life? That's the problem with the world today. They're like, well, I, I believe in the sanctity of life. Yeah, when it comes to a redwood and a blue jay. <laughs> but when it comes to a baby or the elderly or mankind in general, they don't care. They don't. The fourth and final thing is this receiving the word within. It's something that we have to do. If you take a look, into, it kind of bleeds into the next chapter where he says in verse 3, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat thou that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and I, he caused me to eat that roll, and said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. And then when, I, excuse me, then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Isn't that how great the Word of God is described? When you receive it and you begin to realize it, oh, at first you're like, I don't know if I like that. I don't know. Oh, that's not bad. Ooh. That actually tastes pretty good. Wherever you eat something like that, you're going around, you, you try something, try something new, and you're just like, puts it in your mouth, and you're like, oh, I like that. Why have I been avoiding this my whole life? But here he says it was sweetness. He says, as honey for sweetness. And that is a great thing when we realize what the Word of God does. Even during the difficult times, 
even when there's mourning and lamentation and woe being being given, he says it's sweet, the Word of God. It's sweet to us, those that receive it. You know, at first it might be a little bit bitter for those that are dealing with sin, but I tell you, it's one of those things that you begin to enjoy. You know, you ever have those sour candies? Sour Skittles or sour ropes or something like that. And you start off and you eat that and you're like, oh, oh, oh man, oh, and then it's like, okay, now it's, okay, now it's good, now it's good, it's not bad. And then the first part you're just like, oh, I don't like it because of that. And what do you do? You go back for more. Next thing you know is you've eaten the whole, you know, the whole one pound bag of sour Skittles and the inside of your mouth is bleeding. And you're like, oh man, why did I do that? You know what? I tell you, sometimes that's the way it is with the Word of God. You go in there and it's like, oh man, oh, oh Lord, that hurts. Oh, but you know, it's so good. So sweet. Why? Because it just demonstrates His love for us. It demonstrates His goodness. Isn't it an amazing thing that one of the things about repentance is he says, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Praise the Lord for that. So right here we have this little commission that's given. It's given to specifically Ezekiel here for the nation of Israel, a rebellious time. But as believers, we can do the same thing. Stand and listen. Go and speak. Don't be afraid or dismayed. But above all, receive that word within so we can complete that commission and do what the Lord has asked us. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again for all that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for this message and this passage that you've given. As simple as it is and just uh, very concise, Lord, I pray that we would do it in our lives, that we would follow through with it. That, Lord, we would see the need to go out there and be that light to a lost and dying world. But, Lord, we would receive the word within so that we can complete that commission you've asked us to do, so that we can fulfill your will. Thank you again, Lord, for those that are here tonight. I pray you take us home safely tonight. And this I ask in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.